This clip from Disney Pixar's movie Up is a picture of loneliness. The man in the video is in his later years, obviously. He's lived a long life, and during most of that life, he was married to the love of his life. But when she unexpectedly falls ill and passes away, he has to adapt to life without her. This is a big challenge for him, and he becomes cold, and he becomes angry, and he doesn't want to let anybody into a relationship with him. If you watch the rest of the movie, you'll see how grumpy he is, because he is so deeply hurt and feeling so alone. Today we're in week two of our Beating the Winter Blues series, and we're talking about all kinds of struggles that people have during the holiday season, the winter season, Things like depression, things like anxiety, or today's topic, which is loneliness. Last week, Pastor Joel took us through Psalm 77 as he talked about beating the Christmas time blues. And, and that psalm, Psalm 77, talks about feeling desperate and feeling alone. But one of the things that the psalm writer does is he also remembers that God is with him even in his lowest times. So our hope as we pastors preach through this series with you, is that you would come to know God's presence in your life so that you'll remember he is always with you, even in your darkest times. Today we're going to talk about how to deal with loneliness. So here's what I want you to know. Lonely people need God, and lonely people need people. Will you say that with me? Lonely people need God, and lonely people need need people. Do you know that we are facing an epidemic of loneliness in our world? An epidemic of loneliness. Just less than a year ago, the Surgeon General of the United States, Dr. Vivek Murthy, released uh, an advisory, put out an advisory on the massive problem of loneliness and isolation in the United States. He called it a public health crisis. Here's something Dr. Murthy had to say. He said, given the significant health consequences of loneliness and isolation, we must prioritize 
building social connection the same way we have prioritized other public health issues such as obesity, tobacco, and substance abuse disorders. One of the things this Surgeon General's report said was, we should all go back to church. We all need that social connection. I thought that was pretty amazing that we got a government report here saying, everybody go back to church. We all need it. The Department of Health and Human Services reports several of the consequences of poor and insufficient connection. And they include things like this, a 29% increased risk of heart disease, a 32% increased risk of stroke, and a 50% increased risk of dementia in older adults. Lacking social connection also increases our risk of premature death by over 60%. In addition to our physical health, loneliness and isolation contribute substantially to mental health challenges like depression and anxiety. Are you getting the picture? It's a bleak one. We are no stranger to problems like these. If you aren't suffering personally from loneliness, chances are you know someone who is. There's no shortage of reasons why people feel lonely today. Relational conflict misunderstandings between people. Social media can contribute to that. Divorce is a problem. Political, social divisions on issues that we face. Life changes like moving to a new location or the loss of a loved one or even financial problems. All these things that we go through on a regular basis, sometimes these experiences leave us feeling alone and isolated. In her book, The Six Conversations, Pathways to Connecting in an Age of Isolation and Incivility, Dr. Heather Holloman talks about some things that she has heard other people say on the topic of loneliness. I want to share some of these quotes with you from Dr. Holloman's book. The first one says, I returned from a long trip and not one family member or friend asked me a question about my time away. How about this? Sometimes when I'm out with friends, I ask all the questions to keep the conversation going. Nobody ever asks me a personal question. I'm feeling alone. I'm feeling isolated. How about this one? I feel so lonely at school. Not one person asks me a personal question. I feel so lonely in my own family. We don't even talk to each other. Or how about, I don't know how to talk to my spouse anymore. We're growing apart. Many of us know married couples who have gone through that. So there's no shortage of reasons why people might be feeling alone. Personally, I have had several conversations just in the past week alone from people who've expressed some kind of loneliness during the winter season because of loved ones who are no longer alive. If I was to go around, I won't do this, but if I was to ask people to raise their hand of who you, anyone here that might be missing someone during the holiday season, there's lots of us that would put up our hands and say it's just not the same without them. Sometimes that loss of a loved one, the death of a spouse or a sibling or a close friend or anyone that's important to us can last for years or maybe even the rest of our life. And you know, that's perfectly normal. It's perfectly understandable for that to be true. But what do we do with that? How do we deal with that? No matter what the source is of where our loneliness comes from, how do we learn to deal with it in healthy ways? Well, lonely people need God, 
and lonely people need people. Today I want to look together at a scripture where someone found himself in a lonely place and God helped him to be able to deal with that. We're also going to look at some practical ways that we can work against loneliness in our lives and relationships. But first, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and we'll pray together. Let's do that. Father, this morning we come together knowing that we need your help. Our country, our world are gripped by an epidemic of loneliness. And whether we're feeling that way individually right now or not, we recognize many people are feeling that. It might be the person we see at the grocery store, might be the person who lives in the next house from us, might even be the person sitting down the row from us in church this morning. So Lord, we give you our hearts now and ask for your reminders of your presence in our lives so that we can be less lonely, more connected, and more fulfilled. Bless our time together today. Amen. Well, I remember as a kid, the first time I heard the story of Elijah the prophet in the Old Testament. It was on an audio cassette tape that my parents had gotten for me that was a dramatic presentation. It was an audio drama, very well produced, of Elijah's journey, of his lifetime, of all the things that he went through. And I remember even though I was a kid, even though I was a young child, I was very emotionally invested in what this man had experienced because it was really powerful. He was trying to serve God. And if you know about prophets of the Old Testament, you know they often had this unenviable job, this really difficult task of talking to powerful people like kings and saying, hey, God's not very happy with you right now. He'd like you to change what you're doing, right? And that's a difficult message. Sometimes they had to preach really hard messages. So this is what Elijah had been doing. Elijah, of course, this could make people very angry, and some of those people were very powerful. So Elijah spent a lot of his time hiding from people who wanted to kill him. We're going to look at 1 Kings chapter 19 today. And in 1 Kings 19, Elijah's life has just been threatened by Jezebel. She's the wife of the the king of Israel named Ahab. And so Elijah is on the run. And we're going to pick up the story in verse 3 of 1 Kings 19. Look at this with me. It says, Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. Elijah looked around, and he saw there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And so he ate and drank, and then he lay down to rest again. Then the angel of the Lord came to him and touched him again and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. So Elijah was a man who was lonely and tired. He was so tired of his problems, so tired of running, that he laid down and prayed for death. He prayed for death. Now at this time, many of the prophets of the Lord had already been killed, and Elijah was feeling really alone. So in his exhaustion, he said to God, 
God, you know, it would be easier if you would just kill me. It would be easier if you would take my life. I don't want to do this anymore. But God wasn't finished with Elijah. Even at his lowest point of despair, God sent an angel to give Elijah food and drink to strengthen him for the rest of his work. Now we're going to come back to that. But before we go on with Elijah's story, I want to ask you a question. And this time I am going to ask you for hands. Who here knows that God answers prayer still today? Oh, that's a lot of hands. Now, I I hope no one out there is doing the Sunday school thing where just because the teacher asked you to raise your hand, you raised your hand. One more time. Who here knows that God answers prayer today? Okay, good to see it. Good to see. You may or may not have had a moment just like Elijah, where you were tired, exhausted, alone, and desperate, and you laid down and prayed for death, and God swooped in with a miraculous dinner to make you feel better. Most of us haven't had that experience. But have you ever prayed for someone who was sick and seen them healed? Many of us here have. I know my family has seen that. Have you ever prayed for support? You were in need, and you needed that need to be provided for, and then when you prayed, God provided for your need. Many of us in this room, many of us in this church have experienced that in friendship, in support, in financial needs, in material needs. So this morning, if anyone here, anyone listening to my voice needs assurance that God answers prayer, I want you to be encouraged to remember that God answers prayer. And right around this church, you can find a hundred people who have stories of how God has come through over and over to answer prayer. Sometimes when we feel like we're at the end of our rope, we just simply need to ask God for help. James chapter 4 says you don't have because you don't ask. So this morning, if you feel like you're in need, if you need encouragement, or if you're lonely, I ask you to, to ask the God who answers prayer for help and believe that he will provide for you. And he will. Now that's what Elijah did. Elijah called out to God in his moment of desperation, and God answered by providing for his needs. He called out to him first uh, in the valley and then on the mountain. Uh, Look what happened next. Elijah gained the strength to continue on, and verse 9 says he spent the night in a cave in the side of Mount Sinai. This is where the Lord wanted to have a talk with Elijah. Let's look at verse 10. The Lord said to him, "'What are you doing here, Elijah?' Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. See, now I remember listening to this as an audio drama, and I imagine that Elijah was pretty fired up. He was pretty upset after everything he'd gone through, and he's crying out to God, God, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down their altars. They've killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. As a kid in the darkness of my room, I listened to this dramatic reading of this moment, and I felt this pain and this loneliness that Elijah experienced. He said, God, I've tried to serve you. I've given you everything. Now my life is in danger because of it. I am the only one left And now they're trying to kill me, too. And in response, God's presence came to meet with Elijah in a powerful way. Verse 11 says, God is speaking. 
Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, you can read the rest of this passage on your own this week, but I want to summarize it for you. In a nutshell, what happens next is that Elijah, in the presence of the living God, see, I I believe this has calmed Elijah down a little bit. God has shown his power. He's shown, yeah, I'm right here, and I'm the God of everything, and here I am to answer you. So I believe Elijah's probably calmed down a little bit, but he repeats his same plea to God. He says exactly the same words, but in a nutshell, he says, Lord, I'm in trouble. I'm desperate. I'm alone. What do I do? And so God answers him. God gives him instructions, and he gives him hope for the future. He says to Elijah, hey, I've got some work for you to do. You're going to raise up kings for me. You're going to go and you're going to do great things, and then you're going to meet someone that you can train up as your replacement to continue my work even after you're gone. So here's Elijah at his lowest point, and when God answers him, we see that at his lowest point, Elijah is standing on the doorstep of a great work of God an incredible move of God. He just can't see it yet. Here's what I want you to catch. In the dark places of your life, in the desperate moments that we've all had, God hasn't forgotten you. He's with you. God hasn't forgotten you. He's with you. He's not going to leave your side. See, you and I are limited human beings. We have these limited human minds, and we can only grasp what's in front of us. We can only make our minds so big and think about so many things at once. But when we're lonely, when we're we're depressed, or when we're anxious, or when we're desperate, we're only thinking about ourselves. And outside of ourselves is the whole kingdom of God. Everything that's in his hands. All the plans that he has for us. All the plans that he has for the world. And those are the things, his plans, his purposes, those are the things that matter most the things that we are invited to be a part of. It's not just about us. It's about everything that he wants to do. See, when Elijah was desperate and lonely, he cried out to God, first in the valley, then on the mountain. And both times, God was faithful to answer him and give him exactly what he needed. First, God provided for his physical needs by giving him food and drink and rest. And then God provided for his mental anguish and responded to him with his own gentle voice. He says, I'm with you, Elijah. I'm going to go with you, and you're going to do these great things because I have these things planned for you. And see, Elijah got purpose from that, and he knew that he could do these things because God was with him. Elijah was at the end of his rope, but with God, all things are possible. Be encouraged today. God hasn't forgotten you, He's with you. He's always faithful to answer and to be with us. Proverbs 8.17 says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me will find me. I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. 
Let that promise soak down into your soul today. Let it ease your loneliness. He really loves you, and he's really there for you always. Lonely people need God, and lonely people need people. Secondly, lonely people need people. You heard me uh, mention earlier today Dr. Heather Holloman. You're going to be hearing a lot more about her and her husband, Ash, because we're excited to be uh, hosting them for a workshop here at the church later in the spring. Um, they, this couple, they write a lot of books together, and the way that they write about connecting with people and sharing the love of Jesus with others has really been inspiring me and energizing me over the last several weeks since I first learned about them and started reading their material. Their books are a great resource to help us to engage people in warm and meaningful conversations that really matter. So we want to use some of their material during this series, and you're probably going to hear more about them as the months go on and as we get closer to the time when they're going to come and present to us. So in the first chapter of the Six Conversations book that I mentioned earlier, Heather gives us four mindsets of a loving conversation. And I want to share these conversation mindsets with you today as we talk about lonely people needing people. They are this. It's a list that's on your screen here. Number one, be curious. Secondly, believe the best. Then express concern and share your life. Be curious, believe the best, express concern, share your life. You might want to make a note of those things. I'm not going to dive too deeply into this content from the book or or that Heather has to say about these things, but I wanted to mention these things to you because I want to ask you to join me in an experiment this week. Who's up for an experiment? That's great. You don't even know what I'm asking you to do. Now I can do whatever I want because you said you're going to do it. No, I'm just kidding. I, I won't put you out too much. See, I think before we get good at having loving conversations with people we don't know, we ought to practice on the people we do know. Does that make sense? I think that makes sense. So take a minute, and I want you to consider everyone who's part of your church family at Mount Joy Mennonite Church. There's a bunch of people in this room. There are people who didn't make it today. Later on, you can call them up and say, hey, I missed you where you've been. want to have a meaningful conversation with you. And uh, these are the people, the people that you think about first are probably the people that you know the best right? You probably know several people in the church pretty well. And if not, we want to help you to to know more people. So this is my suggestion to you. This week, the people that you know the best, we're going to call these people your circle, the people you know the best. I'm going to ask you to join me in the experiment of being intentional about connecting with these people and to use these four mindsets in your communication with them. First, be curious about them. What's going on in your life? Second, believe the best about them. Don't assume the worst, but believe the best. Third, express concern about what's important to them. If they say, hey, I had a hard time, ask them more about that. And lastly, share your life. Share your own experiences. Be a little vulnerable with these people. Do you think you can do those things? A couple people think so. See, I think if, if you do this with people that you're already close to, people that you already have a strong relationship with, then it's going to be relatively natural, relatively comfortable for you to try and do these things. Because some of them you may already be doing, and you just haven't thought about it. But this is being intentional about it, saying, I'm going to do these four things so that I really have a whole meaningful conversation with someone who matters to me. Okay, so that's your circle, the people closest to you, right? 
Now, if we take one step outside of that circle, we could call this your church, okay? Because we just talked about the people you know the best, the ones you're closest to. And then if you think about the several hundred people that make up our church community, our church family at Mount Joy Mennonite Church, there's probably more than a few of those that you don't know all that well. So I'm going to call that your church. That's the second circle. And in the next few weeks, after you've been intentional about connecting with the people that you know well, I'm going to ask you to initiate a meaningful conversation with someone in the church you don't know. Do you think you can do that? Here's a tip. This only works if you actually care about the person. This only works if you actually take the time to care about and love the people you're talking to. You don't do this as a project. You don't do it as an assignment. You definitely don't do it because the guy who's preaching the sermon today said you should do it. You do it because you want to grow in God's love for people, right? So I think we can all take that step. We'll practice with the people that we know, and then we'll take one further step outside that circle, and we'll say, hey, tell me about you. I haven't, I haven't learned much about you, and I'd like to get to know you. By the way, one of the best opportunities to create meaningful relationships with people in the church is to be part of the group life of our church. You know, we have several home-based small groups that meet in homes. We have several group classes that meet in our Next Steps hour on Sunday mornings at 1030. And these provide a place where you can create loving conversations with people and deepen your connection with each other. Very soon I'm going to be meeting with our group leaders so that we can generate some fresh energy for the group life of our church. Because this is all about being intentional about our connected relationships with each other. This is a way to help our church family fight things like loneliness and disconnected with, disconnectedness. Okay? So that's your circle. And then step two is your church. And then step three, if we were going to take one more step outside of that bubble, what do you think we would call that? I'm going to call it your community. Did you catch all the C's that go together? One, two, three, your circle, your church, your community. That's how I have this laid out so that we can remember these things. Your community. I'm going to use the word community here to represent people who live near you, people who shop at the stores that you shop at, people that you run into and meet as you go about your daily life. These are people you don't know, your community. Now, I think one of the biggest challenges for us as followers of Jesus is to initiate meaningful, loving, spiritual conversations with people we don't know. No matter how much we might love God and want to love other people and share God's love with them, sometimes it's just really intimidating, isn't it? To initiate brand new conversations, brand new connections with people that we've never talked to before. It's one of our intimidating things, one of our challenges, but it's one of the reasons that we're doing things together, like talking about Heather Holloman's books. We're talking about this, this new blessed group that you heard about from Pastor Joel earlier today. It's starting in the second hour, and you can still join it. It's not too late. We're going to even be doing a sermon series that goes right along with the blessed material later on in the spring. And I said we're going to be hosting the Hollomans for a workshop about the conversations later on in the spring as well. So we're doing all of these things so that we can hopefully make a change in the way that we view people outside of our close circles. All of us have a tendency to just stick with our close circle. But if we change the way we view people outside of our close circle, when we surrender to God's love that longs to make connections with people who don't know him, we're going to see the Holy Spirit move. We're going to see him make an impact in our own lives, in in our community. It's a beautiful thing. 
Now, I don't want you to worry. I don't want you to feel like this is an 800-pound cake staring you in the face and you got to eat it all right now. I'm talking about doing something that's a process. It's going to take time, and we're going to walk through it as a church together one step at a time. This is something we can all encourage each other in. You see, my friends, lonely people need God, and lonely people need people. Today, if you are the lonely person, I'm going to pray with you in just a moment. I'm going to invite you to bring your feelings before the Lord this morning. Because those feelings are meaningful to God. He cares about what you're going through. If you're not the lonely person today, you have the opportunity to be there for someone who is. And God may want to show you that opportunity. So I'm going to invite you today to pray that God will help you to be intentional in your relationships so you can take a step outside of your close circles and create new connections that help lonely people experience the love of God. Lonely people need God, and lonely people need people. Let's pray together today. Heavenly Father who loves us, we worship you today. You are the God who is always faithful to answer our prayers. You draw near to us when we draw near to you. In our times of desperation and loneliness, your spirit is always present. This morning, we want to know and we want to sense your closeness to us. So will you please touch every heart in this room, every person on the live stream, everyone who ever hears this message, will you touch us and remind us that we are dearly loved by you and that we're never alone. This morning, if you're listening to this message and you're feeling alone in any way, I want to invite you right now to speak to the Lord about your feelings. You can do it out loud. You can do it in your heart. It doesn't matter. But I want you to know that God wants to hear from you. He can handle your hurts. He can handle your fears. Don't hold back as you speak to him. You can tell him how you feel, and he will listen and be with you. Let's take a moment now to do that. Maybe you're lonely, maybe you're hurting, and you don't know how to express that to God. Maybe all you can say is, God, I need your help. I feel alone. I feel hurt. God, I need your help. Romans chapter 8 tells us, neither death nor life Angels nor demons, our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even all the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to take every lonely person in your arms this morning and comfort them. If they need answers from you, give them answers. If they need hope, give them hope. Thank you, Lord, that you have everything we need. And now for everyone else in the sound of my voice, I ask you, Lord, to empower us to be intentional about our relationships this week and in the coming weeks. Will you help us to make loving, meaningful connections 
that will fight loneliness and any sort of depression and that will encourage each other closer to you. May you get all the glory and all the honor, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. This morning as we wrap up, I wanted to invite my daughter Kaylee